For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you like compassion, excuses, and heartwarming messages, you have clicked on the wrong f-ing link. There's a new sports voice in Toronto. The smooth-talking, roughnecking Mike Roach, where sports life and truth collide. New sports entertainment for the next generation. Something different. No bias and no BS. This is the Mike Roach Podcast. Subscribe to the Mike Roach Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And remember to follow Mike on Instagram at MikeRoach7 and at OXP.media. What's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of the Mike Roach Podcast, brought to you by the one and only OXP Media and the Battle Canada series. Now, as you can see, I got a very, very special guest right here. Uh, The man, the myth, the legend, one of MTL's finest, Uh, a G League MVP, Defensive Player of the Year in the same damn season, all right? Uh, An NBA champion. I would give some more accolades, but this is only a half an hour program, people. Uh, Like I said, one of MTL's finest, Chris, the unicorn Boucher. What's going on, my man? What's going on? Man, how you doing, man? Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man. I've been watching you. I've been hearing what you be saying and stuff. A lot of facts in there, man. (laughs) I appreciate that, man. So, listen, I mean, shoot, I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, as you know, I, I've known Abraham for like 20 years, man, from like since we were kids. I played with him at Sun Youth in Bantam. I grew up in Montreal as well. But your story is so inspiring, man, and it really hits home with me because growing up in, in Montreal, uh, in NDG, you know, I felt like we're not the same, but it, it's, it's kind of similar. You know what I mean? Like, do you ever sit back and think, yo, how did I get here? Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, more than people would think. You Like, I feel like, you know, every time something amazing happens or, like, when I sit down and, like, you know, sometimes you see other people going through struggles and you feel like you went through that struggle or something, you know, stuff like that. Um, it definitely makes you want to think about, you know, the stuff that you've been through and how great, it makes you grateful, too, for, you know, like, I, come, I came from a long way. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm grateful for and, you know, you try to keep it pushing, but still remember, still think about the stuff that made you, that brought you where you at now. Yeah. So, so talk to me about um, growing up in in Montreal. You came from Saint Lucia, born in Saint Lucia, came to Canada at an early age. What was life like for you there? 
Um, I mean, at first it was different. Like I said, like you coming from like you coming from an island, you get to Canada. Um, your first winter, you get the snow and all that. So that's already like, okay, what's what's going on? You know, like, and then you know, for me, for example, I think my me and my mom, we we I don't think we knew that you know half of the year is snow. You know, and that's that's shocking. And I think I was young. I was young, so really it was pretty fun for me. But I think for an adult, like right now, I don't like the cold. So I wonder how my mom felt. But for me, I, mm. it was so just a different culture shock. You know, it's a city now, um, schools, you know, like the stuff that people have, for example, like, you know, when I was in uh, in high school, I mean, everybody had the, you know, Jordan during the time. I think it was FUBU that was killing during that yeah, time. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I couldn't have all those stuff. So I think that was kind of shocking because in the island you don't really need none of that like you you know what i'm saying like everybody just lived life like pretty much freely comparing to here with structures and stuff you know like yeah and, structure and in the islands in the islands um you know my background my parents um grandparents being from jamaica and mm-hmm. one of them from cuba it's a lot different where things things move a lot slower over there compared to mm-hmm. here man yeah here you wake up in the morning you got a schedule of 10 different things you got to do. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. by the time you turn around in a circle, it's time to go to bed at night. Yeah, yeah, You know what yeah. I'm saying? But um, I've been watching some some videos of you online and even some little documentaries, and I see your mom in there, and your mom is talking about you. What are some of the principles that she taught you growing up that you still live with right now? Um, well, I mean, one thing for sure is, like, you know, believe in myself. Like, she always told me, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that could happen, and, you know, a lot of people won't trust you or won't believe in you. And that's, that's one thing I think she did since I'm a young kid is to have confidence in myself. Um, I think knowing, knowing that everybody go through struggles too, I think that's one thing that she definitely made me uh, understand as a young age. Cause sometimes you don't really, you don't really know what people go through really in life. Right. So mm-hmm. it's easy to be like judgy and all that stuff. And I think she kind of helped me with that for sure. Uh, just, knowing that, you know, when you go through issue, you know, you want to have your own time and have your own reflection. I think that, that goes for everybody. And I think she helped me that, she helped me with that. And the third thing I would say, work hard. She told me I have to work for everything I get. So that always was in my mind too. All right. Now I've heard you say multiple times that um, as you reminisce and look back to when you were younger, you've had a lot of things taken from you and that you never yeah. look forward two things you know what i mean what did you what do you mean when you say that um i feel like i was just living day by day you know what i'm saying like i felt like every time that something good would happen or something was supposed to come it was taken away so i stopped thinking about further and just started thinking about day by day because you know I, I started living on the fear of losing something else you know what i'm saying or thinking about oh something's coming and then boom it's not there and i felt like that affected me a lot so now i was just going by like day by day, for example, what happened today, what happened today, and tomorrow's another day. And I try to go, I, I was trying to go like that for the longest time until I started playing like, you know, basketball seriously and realizing that, you know, a lot of stuff come with work and with time and you can't just say it won't happen. So that, but for the longest time, I think I was just living day by day. Really. Now, I've also heard you say that you were, you know, when you started playing basketball, sometimes your mom would tell you to come back at a certain time and you're playing basketball yeah, out till late. Yeah. It would absolutely piss it. her off. You know what I mean? So was your mom 
always supportive of you playing or did it come around to her after a while? I mean, she, I don't think she had an issue with me playing, but I think, you know, I was in, I was, I was a trouble kid. Like I wasn't listening. So like when I, you, you know, when your son says, Oh, I'm, I'm gonna come back at nine and he's back at 12. You know, you don't really know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? And I, you yeah. coming in, you ain't got no available. You know, my, my reason is not available. Like if I tell my mom, that, Oh, the bus was late. Like, come on, she could literally go looking at it. And there's eight buses that just went through, you know? So I didn't really have a reason to explain why I was not listening. Besides that, I love basketball, and during that time, I think it was hard for her to believe. Because I mean, I came, I started so late, it was hard for her to believe that there was something I really wanted to do. So, yeah. See, yo, I gotta ask you, man, because how were some of the, what are some of the reasons, or how did you stay out of trouble in Montreal, man? Because I'm telling you, as a kid who grew up in Montreal, in a mm. rough place in in NDG where I was from. Yeah. Um, especially when I was leaving and ended up moving to Toronto before I left. Yo, Montreal is a rough place, dude. Like, people don't understand who aren't from there. Like, maybe mm. if you're in Canada, you might know about it a bit. But when you're in the U.S. and yeah. other parts of the world, like, yeah, people yeah. don't understand, like, even where I was from, like, in NDG, in Bergs, uh, in Uptown. Mm. Like, no matter where you're from, yo, there were some rough places, bro. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. Drugs, crime, yeah. a gang. Yeah. So what are some of the all things you had to do to kind of keep yourself out of that life. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I always knew like because like that's the one rule that I've always lived through. It was like my mom said that her biggest the thing that I could do that would hurt her the most is me going to jail or me getting shot or something. So I've always I've always went into situations saying like okay, this two thing can't happen to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not saying that I was you know the 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 peaceful guy and. You know, I wasn't with the guys out there and chilling and doing all that, but I'm felt I knew that I couldn't I couldn't disappoint my mom at this point. So when whenever I felt like it was a case where I could go in jail or you know what I'm saying I could die, I I was finding a way to not be there. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I know I have a lot of my friends that, you know what I'm saying, they in jail now. They got they, two of my friends died. So for me, those situations I was just never there for that. You know what I'm saying? I, but like, like I said, if I didn't play basketball, who knows? Maybe I would be in those one of those situations. So I think just the fact that, like, like I have a lot of respect for my mom. And I, like I said, I've hurt her a lot by doing dumb stuff. But mm. I knew that this was the ultimate thing, like, that I can't do. It's like you don't walk in the street and shoot somebody because you know you get the, the ultimate uh, yeah. penalty for it. So I knew my the one thing that I can't do was either go to jail or, you know what I'm saying, get died in the street so mm-hmm. i've always worked myself out for for not being in that position and make sure that i could i could go home or you know what i'm saying make sure that my mom here chris is still alive and or he's not in jail you understand know so yeah i think that was the easiest that was the easiest thing for me for me for me to do does anything scare you in life you got a fear of anything i don't think i have a fear the only person i fear of is god like i don't fear i don't i'm not scared of nobody like i don't I think the the word fear went left long time ago. Like when I was, you know, homeless and all of that. That's where I had my biggest fear. After that, I don't feel like anything could be worse than what you know I've been through. So the fear went away. But so, you know what I'm saying? So, like if you tell me what I'm, saying, I will say like I'm. God is the only person that controls everything to me. That's how I see. Being homeless at such a young age, a teenager at 16. Um, like that's just some scary shit to me. I mean, I can't imagine being in those shoes. Yeah. Talk to me about 
one of your roughest nights being homeless? Um, I think the I think one my one there was a point where I was living with my cousin for the longest time. Like I was to his house for at least three months, and then like my aunt and my cousin they start having like you know conversation. You you know they're not telling you to leave, but when you hear it from the out from the other's room, it's basically saying like he's not doing anything. Like you know, so it's been three months. It's time for him to go and. I think that was the, that's when it went the scariest part because like when I left that place, I didn't know where I was going. So for, for so during that time, it's, I think you just, for me, I was like, okay, well, you know what I'm saying? I can't go back there. And for three months, I didn't really, I wasn't in my mom or my dad. So forget going there. I think that's when it was like the hardest time because I didn't know where I was going to go. And for example, like, the bus, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm taking the bus, like, I'm trying to figure it out ways to, to just keep going until I find another situation. That was, that was the hardest. Like, where's your frame of mind at, though? Like, what do you do? Do you say, like, I need to find a job? I just need to stay warm? Like, what the hell do you even well, do at that point? During that time, to be honest with you, like, I was so in, into, like, my friends and hanging out that I, w- I never thought about, like, getting myself out of the situation. I was just saying, like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm not in trouble. Like, it's not like I'm a criminal or anything. I'm just, I just don't have a house or a crib or a place mm-hmm. to stay. So, you know, like, you, you think about it during the night because you, you're by yourself and everybody has their house. But during the day when you're with your boys, you're not thinking about, oh, I'm about, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I was trying to enjoy my time with my friends, you know what I'm saying? And I don't think that I was, I was always in my head because if not, I would have got myself out of this situation. I don't think I would have stayed that much especially young like that you're still thinking that times you know times is slow and you're not going to be an adult yet and i was 16 so i'm not an adult i feel like something's going to happen to help me out through the system mm-hmm. or something you know that's how i was thinking all right so so how do you start to find out that you're actually a talented ball player uh i played but i mean i i fell in love with basketball just i mean i, I forced to not doing nothing all during the day um, I started wanting to play basketball a little bit more and going to the parks and stuff. And what parks were you playing at over there? I went. I mean, I went to one so many parks. I went to park in Pinaf. I went to park in Montreal North. I went to park in Saint Michel. I went to Uptown. I went to Burke. I went to all the parks really. Okay. Like wherever I had like at least five parks where I knew it was like okay. I called one guy. No, there's no basketball today. Okay, I'm going to the no park. But oh, I was okay, going. Okay. Yeah, I was going to a lot of parks. I played at Carignan. I played like four years in a row uh, street uh, basketball street, uh, uh, basketball street ball. So I, I played four years in a row where I knew in August this was going to happen. So okay. that that's what helped me get better at basketball, but it wasn't too structured. I just played with a bunch of guys in the hood and, you know, like they don't call foul. They don't, you know what I'm saying? So I got better through, you know, playing the hard way. How do you end up at Alma? Uh, I had a I played a tournament in DJ DJ Sports and then I played for them too. I, I used to yeah, play for DJ Sports. Hang, yeah. hang time the tournament hangs mm-hmm. on. So I played there and I think we played Dawson uh, University and, and or college whatever it is. And we I, I scored forty four I think. And then Igor's brother was there and mm-hmm. Igor was doing a program in Alma like a AAU prep school kind of. So he saw me there and then he. Brought, yeah, he told me like he had the program and if I wanted to be part of it and I had nothing going on so I told him to go tell my mom and my dad and you know my, my family was like okay well if you, if you could do something with him and go I left and I got myself an album playing basketball now your manager Abraham tell me how he's made an impact on you you guys uh, did you guys did you guys met at Alma 
Yeah, yeah. But he was, like I said, I when I first met Eve, it was more like, okay, he's my coach. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's how I saw it. Okay. But then after that, um, you know, through, through uh, the, the, the hurdles and me going to junior college, having to pass my classes, go to Oregon, you know, that's consistent, consistent time. It's just me and him working, me and me and working. Ego was there too. So we're working, we're working. And then he ended up being more than my manager, more than my coach and manager because he was teaching me stuff through life, through basketball. And end up being, like, now he ended up being my brother because, like, whatever I yeah. go through, I feel like he's going through it too. So that's how we really, um, you know, connected. I think we both have aspiration and, we both had the same goal, and he saw something in me that I didn't see for a long time, and he brought it to light, and that helped me out. You know what I'm saying? And like yeah. I said, I'm. If you help me, if if I care about you, whatever I go through, if it's good, then I want you to be part of it. And he brought me to that situation where I was able to help my family, help my friends, and all that. So, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, things happened to me. A lot of credit goes to him. It's just that he's behind the scene, and nobody receives it. Yeah, so with all the uh, adversity and struggle that you've already been through in your life, if you can go back and speak to yourself, right? Like, if you can go back and speak to your 16-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? Um, it's, it's funny that you said that. A lot of people ask me that, and I wouldn't, tell, I wouldn't say nothing to myself. I just feel like all this thing that I went through built me for who I am right now. And I actually like the way I am. And the stuff that, you know, the stuff that I go for, my ambitions and, you know, my anger, like how angry I am and all that. I feel like this is all with what I've been through. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I, if you, if you really want me to say something that I could say, I would have been like, start playing basketball younger. I would have said that. I would have like, pick up a basketball. I would have told him, I would have said that. But beside that, I think I would, I like the way it went through just because it built who I am today. Talk to me about your first game at Oregon. Uh, my first game at Oregon, honestly, I think that's the first time that I thought I was a superstar. Like, I literally was like, okay, like, my cha- like my life about to change because, you know, it was ESPN, TV, crowds. And for me, I, I went to New Mexico and, June, and Northwest. Like, this is Wyoming. There's, it's, don't expect a big crowd. You know what I'm saying? The Walmart was like 45 minutes away. So I wasn't Damn. used to that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not used to this college life having like 80,000 and, you know, everybody know your name and, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it was really different for me. And the first game was like, I think we're, we played Baylor and that, there was a guy like Rico Gatters. He's like 300 pounds. Like he's strong as that. And I was like maybe like 180 during that time. So yeah. they were like, okay, well, you got to play. Jordan was hurt. So I started and like just the, the way it was set up, it was my first game. I ended up having a good game and I think I fe- the crowd made me realize how real it was because at first you go to the game and it's cool. You, it's not the first time you play basketball, but it's a different environment. And I didn't, I didn't expect that. Like when I came out the tunnel and I saw all the people, like it really changed my whole perspective. I was like, I can't look bad in front of all these people. That's not true. Because like then I'm walking around school like you're, you're trash. I don't want that. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of like was like, hey, you got to wake up. That really what happened. And then I met Dylan. And me and Dylan are kind. Of, at first, we didn't even like each other, and now we're best friends. So there's a lot of really. Stuff How happened. come though? Why wouldn't you like each other when you guys met? Um, to be honest with you, I came in there and I was like older than all of them. But he had the, he was there for already two years. So Dylan Brooks is like it's his team. You know what I'm saying like yeah, I'm yeah. Oregon kind of, and mm-hmm. I'm coming in like I'm hungry. I wanna 
I want to play. I want to do this. And for the first time, I'm going head to head with him. I'm like, yo, I don't yeah. care who you are. Like, I'm older than you. You know what I'm saying? What are you talking about? But then you got you start understanding the politics and the team aspect of basketball because basketball is a team sport. And for the longest time, it took me time to understand that just because I was so focused on myself. Like, why am I not playing? Why am I not doing this, this, and that? Mm-hmm. And it kind of made me have beef with others for for a certain amount of time until I start realizing that, okay, you know what? It's cool for him to have a good game. And, you know, it goes around. And when yeah, I start yeah. understanding that, I'm, you know, that's how I didn't become my best friend because, I mean, I I end up loving his success just as much as mine. Okay. And it became like that. How did you feel when you were in Sports Illustrated? Like, what, what, go, what do you feel inside? I can't even imagine how that feels. That was crazy. So, listen to how it happened. Yeah. Um, we did the interview. Took about, like, the guy came, like, two, three times. Look, look when? Who's actually in the Raptors um, front office now. Mm-hmm. So, he was, during that time, he was working for Sports Illustrated. And, like, he, you know, he did an interview. He said, my story is pretty good, blah, blah, blah. We're talking about my story and stuff. We, we went to the wood, take pictures and stuff. They were like, we don't know if you're going to be the main cover, but you're going to have a piece in the, in the, in the magazine. Yeah. And then I think three weeks or four weeks after, um, I think a team was supposed to win and they lost. So they, 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 they were like, okay, we can't put the magazine and they put me right in front of it. And I was like, I was shocked because I started having calls from people from other, other countries. Like, like I said, like I went to Wyoming, Damn. New Mexico. So yeah. when I'm starting having calls like, yo, look at this, you know what I'm saying? Send me a picture and I'm all in the, the Sports Illustrated. And then they're like, they start putting talks about like, you know, only a certain people, players get to get there. And I start feeling like, okay, now I'm the next one. That's how I feel. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I was like, yo, I'm sports illustrated. My second mm-hmm. year, I'm coming in with confidence because that happened my first year. So my second year, I'm like, okay, here, go. here it is. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to I'm about to be the next one. I'm going to the league straight up. That's how I feel. Damn, yo, my God. So, so yo, when you, what makes you feel inspired? When you wake up in the morning every day, the heart, the passion, the blood, the sweat, the tears that you have on the floor every time you're on the court, what makes yeah. you feel inspired, man? What um, keeps you going? My, my family, guys like Eve, you know, like, I have a lot of people around me that, you know what I'm saying, they, they've been struggling for a long time, you know, and for me, I just, like, the time, if I had the timeline, on when I thought that I was going to be who I want to be on the court, it would have been way, way before that. So I feel like if they, if they see how I am, they probably had the same timeline and uh, my injuries and all that probably delayed it. So they, they've been grinding for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though I was hurt, I was still getting a paycheck and stuff like that. They still live in the same life. So I feel like thinking about these people helped me a lot just to keep going. Cause I'm like, we're not there yet. You know what I'm saying? Like I still ain't got, you know what I'm saying? My big contract yet. So I'm, I'm just like the rookie that just walked in this year. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like them. Like, there's not – yes, I have played a couple games. Yes, my name is known a little bit, but I'm still going to work like it's my first year because I'm still trying to chase that contract. Now, that game uh, where you tore your ACL, you actually finished and played through that game, yeah, um, which, is, which is crazy. And then you get the word that you have a torn ACL. Yeah. Um, what is it like rehabbing from that? Because that's like – that's yeah. pretty much like the toughest injury that you can come back from, especially when you're playing basketball, man. So, I mean, what's your mindset like when you have to go through that? Because I've heard from many different people, um, mm-hmm. even speaking to Ebe, that um, yeah. you can have that some dark days, man, when you're going that through that. Worst. I think, I think like 
if I, if there was a moment in my life where I could have lost the people close from me, I would have been at that time. Cause How come? How come? I just, I was hurt. I was, I, I felt like everything was over and like nobody could really help you. Like you could, it's on, you, you have to wait to recover. And like, they're all telling me the same thing. You get tired of hearing the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. yo, but just believe in it. You know what I'm saying? After two months, I'm like, yo, why am I not playing again? And they're like, yo, don't worry, it's coming. And in my head, I still got four months. So whatever you're saying to me, it doesn't register. So I feel like, you know, like, he was trying to talk to me, and I'm like, you don't talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to talk, blah, blah, blah. I'm watching my teammate play, and it's, it's all built of jealousy. You know what I'm saying? It's all jealousy, and to be honest with you, it's a lot of, like, hate, too. Because, like, for me, now, I hate the person that I was during that time. Just because that injury didn't happen because of none of the close people that I was with. You know what I'm saying? I got hurt. It's part of the game. But I wasn't able to deal with it as much as I would deal with it now if I was, you know what I'm saying, knock on wood. But I'm saying, like, I've been through a lot of stuff now that I'm able to deal with. And I feel like that injury was probably why I'm better now. But during that time, I didn't have it. I didn't have the patience. I didn't have the, the thoughts. And I really didn't really know how to react to it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, that was the first time I got hurt. I never I never was hurt in my life. So yeah, that so, was so. both. Oh man. So let me ask you this. So you see all your friends and stuff getting drafted yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, talk to me about being in the G league, getting a chance with the Warriors G league team. How did that come about? Um, well, at first, um, they, they, the two way came here, came the same year I got in the league. So I was the first two way they signed. Like the first two they signed probably on the whole thing. Like that was the first two who got who got signed. Yeah. So I already knew that I was gonna be in the in in the NBA. But I won't lie to you, they I didn't read the contract like I thought during that time. I thought I was an NBA player. I don't as soon as they I was in a training camp, I'm like, oh okay, this is real. I'm living with the NBA. And then the season started and they sent me right back to the G League. And that's when I got hit. I was like, Yeah, what is this? Like, you know what I'm saying? The flights. Everything was different. Like, I was like, yo, am I in the NBA or not? And I was the two-way and I wasn't playing. So now I was totally ripped. Like, I was like, yo, what is this? Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I came back from an injury. I used to be Sports Illustrated. I used to be the guy in Oregon. Now I'm in the G League. I barely play. Like, nobody knows me. What is that? It's not even NBA. I'm looking at the arenas. and They're smaller than the college arenas that we play. I was pissed. I'm like, yo, what is that? I was like, no, I can't do this. And then... You know, I start realizing that, like, I can't even get out of it. Like, the only way that you could get out up there is by playing at a great potential. So I, I start focusing on my game a little bit. And then, you know, so I left Golden State, came here, and everything changed. I want you to tell me something about you that um, you don't really want people to know. Like, for me, what I would I, and I, and I told this to Eve as well. Like I'm a FedEx driver during the day. Mm. Um, I'm a broadcast assistant. I see you down at the games all the time. Um, You know, I got a wife, I got kids. Mm. I'm the owner of this media company. I edit people's podcasts. I get paid for that. I do all Mm. of these goddamn things. And I never used to like to say it before because I never wanted people to know how hard I have to work. I'm up at five. I'm delivering packages for FedEx. I'm Mm. home at 2.30. At mm-hmm. 3.30, I'm on the train. I'm headed downtown Toronto. I'm at the games. Um, mm-hmm. I'm home by 12 o'clock, and mm-hmm. then I'm sleeping, and then I'm up at 5, and I do it again. You know what I'm saying? 
So, I mean, mm. and I was, I was never comfortable sharing that before, but at the end of the day, I'm like, yo, this is life. It's hard. You know, you don't have to make things look sexy all the time and make everything look smooth. Just say what it is. You know what I'm saying? So I always wanted to ask that question. Is there something um, you were uncomfortable, you know, saying that you feel comfortable saying now about yourself? Thing froze, my man. Yeah, it just froze up, but I can hear yeah. you now. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I, so, yeah, I just feel like for me, if I would say like something that I don't think people would know a lot is like, I think I have moved slow. Like everything that I've been through, I think I have moved swing. I'm chill out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's just because some, a thought came in my head and boom. You know what I'm saying? Now I have now I'm just thinking about that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people sometimes they just feel like if you I'm in the same room with you and you're talking. Yeah, and I'm thinking about something I might not even like, that my mind runs so much. Like if something hits me that I feel like it's important, I just I'm out, I'm gone. Like I'm in my head, and I think a lot of people don't even know that. But, but they, I know that when I talk to them, they can see I'm somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I've never really explained why to nobody. Like I just okay, okay. So, my man, um, I got a couple more for you before we get out of here because I got a few more minutes. Um, did you ever think you would be an MVP defensive player in the same year in the G League? Talk to me about that. I mean, my first year was crazy. When I went to the, when I went to 905, I knew it. I, mm-hmm. I said I said it I was going to be the MVP in G League, and I never wanted to come back here again. Like I, I told you, I was like, because what happened was I, I, I went to the training camp. Mm-hmm. And I, I did all the work during the summer. So in my head, I, I thought I was going to get the roster spot, the last one. So when they told me, okay, we're going to give you a two-way, I was like, I, I just had a two-way last year. So I was I was pissed. Like, I was like, yo, I want to be with the Raptors, not with the 905. So I was super pissed. And when, when they sent me over the air, I was like, all right, well, if they send me here, now I'm here. If I kill it to a point where it's like must-see TV kind of, you will you won't leave me there. So every time I was there, I was just trying to play as much as I can, like where like you know I'm the best player. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nobody better. And when I when I did that, they signed me in February. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, this is just one stone. You know what I'm saying? That was the first stone. Okay, you got your NBA contract now. I didn't want to lose it. It's one thing to get in the league, it's another thing to stay. And I wanted to stay. So True. after mm-hmm. that, as soon as I got my chance, I was I was in it. Like I I was working and try to outwork whoever they put in front of me and I to this day, that's what I do. Like, I don't care who I'm playing against. I feel like I'm going to play my game no matter what. And if I, I could probably beat you just off energy. So if, if I have a good game, then you're in trouble. Like, if I get hot, you're in trouble. Because I'm going to play hard and I'm, mm. and I'm hot. So. Now, I'm going to finish off with these last two questions here. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I want to talk to you about how did it feel to, have, to be an NBA champion at such a young age, by the way, and bring that to Montreal? And your mentality when you're on the court, you can make a lot of shots. Uh, you can miss a lot of shots. You could play bad. You could play good. The one thing I recognize about you, you are not scared when you're on a basketball court at all, like at all. Um, 
you know what I'm saying? Um, talk to me about what it's like being an NBA championship and, and, and bringing that trophy to Montreal and that mentality. Um, Where do you get that mentality from? Because like I said, one thing about me personally, yo, I love to see players on the court who are not scared. I don't give yeah. a damn how good you are. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit how bad you play. I yeah. just do not want to see you scared on a basketball court. Yeah. And you are not that. So talk to me about those things. So... I mean, being an NBA champion was, that was, I mean, at first it was kind of unreal because, like, you're going through it, like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Like, during the season, Kawhi gets here. My, I get here, Kawhi gets here. So I'm like, yo, what's going on here? They just traded Domar. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all just putting me in a spot now. I don't even know what's going on here no more. You know what I'm saying? Traded the coach. Now I'm, we all new here. I'm new. Kawhi's new. Nick Nurse is new. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm like, okay. We're all different position. For me, it was like, okay, I have to learn from these guys because I was a two in at that time. So whenever mm-hmm. I get time with them, is you know what I'm saying, probably 45 days at the first, at first when you're a two-way. So it was weird. Like, I didn't see how the season was going until the end because when, when, when they signed me, then I was like, okay, I'm with them. And, like, like we, we were playing. Kawhi was – some game we wasn't playing. We were still winning. So I was like, yo, this is, this is dangerous now, like. We're winning without him, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. then after that, I was like, see, if we could win without him, with him, it's over. And then it kept going, it kept going. We beat we beat um, Orlando, and then I'm like, okay. Then we beat Philly on the game seven, where I was like, yo, this is, I was, was like, crazy. this is it. After he hit that shot, I was like, I don't think we could lose. I don't think we could lose. No, I just denied it. So then we go to Milwaukee. We lose. We're two zero. Like we're losing. We lost two games at their place. So I'm like, oh, sh- maybe I talk too fast. Then we go over there. We go home. Smack them. Go over there and smack them again. Now I was like, okay, well, this is championship. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, yeah. we at least we're in this three conference final. Then we get there. You hear KD's hurt. Now you're like, okay, like everything points out like you're about to win this year. Mm-hmm. And it went. It went exactly the way it was. Like you end up winning and. I was saying, I was saying, like during the final before we played the game one, I was like, if we win, I'm going to Montreal with the trophy. Like I already said that before we play. I didn't know if we win or not, but I knew that if we win, that trophy's getting Montreal. That's it. That's for sure. And then we won, and then I brought it there. And I think what it's not even the fact that I that I won. I think I was just happy that a lot of people felt like they won too. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole country turned around. Like I felt like we were like two million champions right now. Like we all champion. Everybody straight up. You know what I'm saying? I Hell yeah, I did. Hell yeah. Man, that's Real. what I'm saying. I bought the trophy to Montreal, and I'm telling you, like, I felt like I was talking to somebody who played. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I, I agree with everything you say. Like, <laughs> you're right. We're champ. You know what I'm saying? Like, the hype. So, it was oh, it was yeah. really, like, it was a blessing like, to me. Like, and my mom, she did the whole tour with me and stuff. Like, and, it, yeah, it was amazing. My mom, my brother yeah so it was great man I felt the love a little bit and that's what I was trying to do like they like as much as like I love Toronto Montreal is where I'm from you know what I'm saying yeah, and I love the city man. so I had to, I had to give love back because I know when I came back when I came in uh October 11th or 10th the love that I got night from that crowd from that stadium like I'll never forget yeah man and uh, yo, it's your journey is is absolutely crazy, man. I want to thank you uh, for taking the time to do this. Really, ex- um, 
just an exp- inspiring story, man. I'm, I'm telling you, your story inspires me to keep doing and, and to try to do this thing in the media as well, man. I just feel like as a kid who grew up in Montreal, you know, watching you and seeing all the adversity that you go through, it just inspires me to keep going to try to do my own thing in the media. You know what I'm saying? So, so thank you for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to see your journey continue. Man, you, like I said, you're doing your thing too, man. Like, and like I said, like, that's the one thing I know, like, if I didn't believe it before, I definitely believe now work pays off. The, the, the amount of work that you put in that nobody sees or, you know, how people are like, oh, you're easy. You play basketball. Oh, you're easy. You do media. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it seems yeah. so easy, but they don't mm-hmm. see the work that you're doing. You yeah, know what I'm saying? True. So one day when you get there, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have stories about how you got there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. And they won't look as easy as they say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just feel like still always hungry, knowing that you're getting better. That's the best way. That's the best way to get to the top. 100%, man. Yo, Chris the Unicorn, NBA champion, G League MVP, mm. defensive player of the year. Uh, yeah. Thank you for taking the time, my brother. Really appreciate you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, my man. You've been listening to the Mike Roach Podcast. Where storytelling, sports, and keeping it real are the only ways to live by. We hope you've gotten some valuable and practical information from the show. Link up with us on Instagram at oxp.media or at microach 7 where you can view images of the content on this program. We're on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening. Until next week. For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.